Hi, welcome to episode 6 of Rambling About Greek Mythology, a lax podcast where I just talk about a lot of Greek mythology. So today we'll be, consider- we'll be continuing on into this part 2 of Zeus's rise to supremacy as he and the Olympians now face their second test of the great monster Typhon slash Typhoeus. One could think of him as a super violent, angry Clifford the Big Red Dog. That's a pretty apt way, I think, to describe him. And this test is really important because it's just kind of seeing once more whether or not the gods are suited to be the supreme rulers of the realm. Um, They already overthrew the Titans in the last episode. Now they have Typhon, this single, like, one-man army. So, as we detailed last time, we shall do so again. I'll talk about what leads up to this, what happens, and what comes out of it. So let's just dive right in. With the Titans having been expelled, uh, Zeus was ruling over the realm from Mount Olympus for more or less the like whole part, yet Gaia did not really enjoy the way he rules, um, and she bore Typhon slash Typhoeus by Tartarus. Uh, his sole purpose was to bear pretty much the motto and the flag standard of down with the bourgeoisie. So Typhon is like purely just this insane monstrosity that uh, we should now describe so you get an idea of who's Gaia's champion. So he's half man and half animal. His upper half of his body was just a man with arms apparently so wide he could reach like I guess like depending on the way he's oriented one would reach the east and one would reach the west. So he's like apparently super long arms. Um, It's really weird to think about. And as he walked, he is said to have been able to just destroy mountains, and apparently he was so angry that the whole time he was just shaking his head out of pure anger, and it would brush the stars and clouds. So in case you don't know this, and the stars in like Greek myth were not really thought to be like how we know stars actually as really far away objects in space, but literally things that just littered the sky. Out of his eyes and mouth, uh, he breathed fire. On his shoulders, he had a hundred heads of, like, envenomed snakes. Uh, His waist down, there were a bunch of super long vipers. So, like, various descriptions on how this is thought. Maybe it's like they encircle him. But there's these super long serpents such that, fully extended, they can reach the heavens. Like, the sky. Like, just literally, that's how long they are. He also had wings. um, But the point is, he's a monstrosity. Super crazy. Maybe he's just a misunderstood uh young dude but he is quite the uh insane character but i mean if you think about it logically typhon is just kind of thought to be this embodiment of like natural disaster and all these like calamity so it's not too surprising that he's so insane um one version though sometimes he is said to be the progeny of hera who produced him out of anger in re- in like reaction or response to the birth of athena And she had Python raise him. Python will be someone we get to talk about a lot later with Apollo. Premises, that's the serpent that Apollo kills before he founds his oracle at Delphi. Um, Hera has already done this, like, self-production with Hephaestus before, so this isn't, like, a completely implausible story. So, now, once more, we can do a little Homeric rendition of who's on each side of this battle. So, on the side of the gods, we pretty much have all the Olympians... Uh, including a couple other gods. So if you have no idea who are all the Olympians, have no fear. I'm here to tell you. Besides 
Hestia, Hera, Demeter, Hades, Poseidon, and Zeus. We also have Apollo and Artemis. They're the children of Zeus and Leto, Leto being the daughter of Phoebe and Coeus, the Titans. We have Hermes, son of Zeus and Maia, Maia being the Pleiad. We have Dionysus, son of Semele, who is the daughter of Cadmus, son of Agenor and Telephassa, and Harmonia, daughter of Ares and Aphrodite, and Zeus. So Semele and Zeus produce Dionysus. We have Hephaestus and Ares, children of Zeus and Hera, and Athena, daughter of Zeus and Metis, the Oceanid. Also, usually we can say that we have Aphrodite already, um, as well as Persephone, the daughter of Zeus and Demeter. Uh, Persephone, Hades, and Hestia. Hestia, usually said to have been have given up her seat to Dionysus, are not really considered Olympians. Uh, Persephone and Hades are the rulers of the underworld, so they're just kind of associated not with the heavens, but like the lower realm. Alongside the gods, we have the legendary Aigapan, the half-goat, half-human. He's sometimes said to have been just another name for Pan, uh, the god of like wild, the wild and like satyrs, or he's thought to be the son of Zeus and Aix, uh, which just means goat slash Aiga, daughter of Helios, or Boitus, just some other goat. Um, we talked about Aiga, actually, so maybe you recognize Aigapan's name. But yeah, so that's pretty much our entire cast. I mean, the opposing side's just Typhon. He has one little friend that we will talk about as we move along, but that's pretty much it. So, with our cast laid out, let the battle begin. So Typhon starts his assault off by throwing these just burning rocks at the gods on Mount Olympus as he advanced to tear it down. As he advanced, though, the gods, except for Zeus, Athena, and Hera, fled out of fear to Egypt. Aphrodite and Eros, slash Cupid, turned into fish. Hermes turned into an ibis. Apollo turned into a kite, which is a type of bird, or a hawk, or a raven. Ares turned into a fish. Dionysus, a goat. Hephaestus, an ox. Aigapan, a half-goat, half-fish. Uh, and Artemis, a cat. Sometimes, uh, Zeus is said to have also fled as a ram, and Hera a cow, but those are pretty uncommon versions. So the whole reason for this, like, animal transformation and why it's, like, you know, something to note, besides just, like, oh, maybe they'll ask you that, um, this was, like, the Greeks trying to be, or the Greeks being Greeks, and tried to, like, incorrectly explain why the Egyptian gods are, like, associated with a lot of animals, but research shows that that's not the case and those animal gods already existed before this so classic greeks um but yeah so that's like the thing there's some equivalencies like apollo is thought to be equivalent to like uh, horus with the hawk um i th think hermes like with thoth the like god of knowledge um so there's like trying to like relate a lot of people artemis and bast uh so yeah, that's just like them trying to explain why this is a thing, but that's not really the case. Moving on from there, though, Typhon and Zeus fight. So they fight, and Zeus uses his thunderbolts and this like adamantine slash steel sickle, which Cronus had actually used earlier to cut off Uranus's genitals, to fight Typhon. Zeus pushed Typhon back from Mount Olympus until Mount Cassius, on the border of Egypt and Arabian Petraea. So don't really know where Petraea is, but I think just the idea of, like, Egypt and how far that is from, uh, Greece should be pretty notable in of its own. Like, he pushes him really far back. Um, there, for some reason, the two wrestle. Uh, Typhon manages to get this sickle, 
and actually removes Zeus's sinews slash tendons, that's a more common word, from Zeus's arms and legs um, and hid them in a bear skin in this in the Corikian cave in Cilicia or Cilicia, in which Typhon set Delphine, his only companion, this half-woman, half-serpent, to watch over. Seemingly, Zeus was also put in this cave. So Zeus is rendered immobile. Typhon takes a break and like goes to sleep before he decides to uh, start up again. Because like you know the other gods are not really fighting, so Zeus is more or less on his own. Then. Hermes and Aigapan, the half-brother duo, quickly made their way to the cave and managed to steal the sinews somehow and then refit them to Zeus. They are clearly insane doctors or something for their time frame and time period, but yeah, they managed to do that. So Zeus is now like up and running again, which is really important because Zeus is like the champion of the gods. Like he's considered to be the biggest uh, like fighter that they always need in these big battles. So Zeus, reinvigorated, started to pelt Typhon with thunderbolts from his chariot as he chased the monster to Mount Nisa. No idea where that is. There, the fates, slash Moirai, slash Parkai, whichever one you want to call them, uh, and if you remember their names, I'll repeat them, it's Clotho, Lachesis, and Atropos, managed to get Typhon to eat the uh, quote-unquote ephemeral fruit, which was just mortal food, or convinced him that the mortal food diet would empower him. Either way, this is really significant because it weakens him a lot, which is a big deal considering how hard of a uh, fighter he already is. This led him to retreat to Mount Hymus in Thrace. Anyone recognize that name? Mm-hmm. Hymus, son of Boreas, Rudopi, Mount Hymus, Mount Rudopi. Um, then, although, so I'll explain a little bit. Then the monster threw uh, mountains at Olympus. But Zeus just apparently parried them with his thunderbolt. I really don't understand how that works. Um, and caused Typhon to gush blood. Allegedly, that's how Hymus, Mount Hymus gets its name. Because, like, Hymos is, like, the Greek for blood. Ancient Greek for blood. Um, I think it would be so much more cooler if it's just related to that Boreas story. But that story is also pretty obscure. So this may be the more common explanation for the name of the mountain. Then uh, Typhon tried to flee. Uh, he's you know he's getting beat to death so he's like trying to run away um but was continuously pelted by zeus and eventually either uh, zeus threw sicily on him with mount etna on his head or just under mount etna to explain why it's an active volcano so like you know he's already we already talked about how his eyes and mouth breathes fire so like you know a volcano fire heat not super unrelated and we'll see actually a very, very similar story next episode with uh, the Gigantamaki. So yeah, that is pretty much everything. This is We have concluded now step two or part two in Zeus and company rising to ultimate supremacy of the universe. The thing to note is like how difficult of a challenge that was, right? Like we saw just how brutal of a battle it was. It didn't necessarily last a super, super long time. Uh, just like this episode, but it was an intense battle with a lot of action and a lot of like trickery involved to uh, overcome this great task. And the whole thing is, is that these tasks get harder and harder because you want to just show like, you know, they defeat everyone and anyone. Um, it's kind of like power creep in like video games or stories where like as you progress, people get stronger and stronger. Same things occurring here to really cement how they... Uh, end up becoming the supreme rulers of the universe so yeah 
Uh, this is the second task that Gaia put forth for them, and they have one final task left before it becomes more or less officially over. There's one little like side story that occurs afterwards that we'll talk about next episode, but that, otherwise that is pretty much it. I hope as always, this was educational and fun, not too overwhelming, and also very interesting to listen to. Uh, if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, concerns, or complaints, you always have my email. Otherwise, I will see you next time when we talk about the Gigantamaki, the fight with the giants, and just how many little things there are there. Other than that, that is everything, so take care. <laughs>